Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. After David killed Goliath, King Saul became increasingly jealous of David. Even though he built a strong friendship with his son Jonathan and married his daughter Michal, Saul's jealousy continued to grow. The king spent the rest of his reign trying to kill David, but the Lord remained faithful and continued to remind him of the promise he had made. And so, after King Saul and his three sons were killed in a Philistine attack on Mount Gilboa, David returned from his victory over the Amalekites, lamented over the death of Saul and Jonathan, and became king of Judah. David, now king, continued to trust God and his timing, and in seven years became king over all of Israel. He brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, making it Israel's spiritual capital, enjoyed success in every area of his life, and fulfilled his vow to extend kindness to all the descendants of Saul and Jonathan. But David became greedy and made the worst mistake of his life. In the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and went to the palace roof. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. So he sent a messenger to find out who she was and learned that she was Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. David sent messengers to get her. He slept with her and he returned her to her house. Later, she discovered that she was pregnant and sent a message to David to tell him. David then sent a message to Joab saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to the king. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah to go home and relax. He even sent a gift to Uriah after he left the palace, but Uriah didn't go home. Instead, he slept at the palace gate with the king's guards. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, What's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents. And Joab and my master's men are camping in the open fields, Uriah replied. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? By all that is sacred, I swear that I could never do such a thing. Well, stay here today, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But again, that night, Uriah did not go home. Instead, he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. He wrote, Station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is the fiercest. Then pull back and let him be killed. 
Following the king's orders, Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Joab sent a report to David to tell him about the battle and instructed the messenger, report all the news of the battles to the king. But he might get angry and ask, why did the troop go so close to the city? Didn't they know there would be shooting from the walls? Wasn't Abimelech, son of Gideon, killed at Thebes by a woman who threw a millstone down on him from the wall? Why would you get so close to the wall? If the king asks you this, tell him, your officer Uriah was also killed. So the messenger went to Jerusalem and gave a complete report to David. The enemy came out against us in the open fields, he said. And as we chased them back to the city gate, the archers on the wall shot arrows back at us. Some of your majesty's officers were killed, including Uriah the Hittite. Well, tell Joab not to be discouraged, David said. The sword devours this one one day and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time and conquer the city. When Uriah's wife Bathsheba heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When her period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace. She became one of his wives and gave birth to a son. But the Lord was displeased with what David had done. So he sent the prophet Nathan to tell David a story. There were two men who lived in the same town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned many cattle and sheep, while the poor man only owned a lamb that he had bought. He took care of the lamb and it grew up in his home with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the rich man's home, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb, killed it, and prepared it for his guest. David was furious and said, I swear by the living Lord that the man who did this ought to die. For doing such a cruel thing, he must pay back four times as much as he took. You are that man, Nathan said to David, and this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I made you king of Israel and rescued you from Saul. I gave you his kingdom and his wives. I made you king over Israel and Judah. If this had not been enough, I would have given you twice as much. Why then have you disobeyed my commands? Why did you do this evil thing? You had Uriah killed in battle. You let the Ammonites kill him, and then you took his wife. Now, in every generation, some of your descendants will die a violent death because you have disobeyed me and have taken Uriah's wife. I swear to you that I will cause someone from your own family to bring trouble on you. You will see it when I take your wives from you and give them to another man, and he will sleep with them in broad daylight. You sinned in secret, but I will make this happen in broad daylight for all of Israel to see. I have sinned against the Lord, David confessed. Yes, 
Nathan replied, but the Lord has forgiven you and you will not die. But because you have shown such contempt for the Lord in doing this, your child will die. So after Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to Bathsheba and the child. David begged God to spare the child. He refused to eat anything, and every night he went to his room and spent the night lying on the floor. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. Then, on the seventh day, the child died, and David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill, they said. What drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened, and they informed him that the child was dead. David got up from the floor, took a bath, combed his hair, and changed his clothes. Then he went and worshipped in the house of the Lord. When he returned to the palace, he asked for food and ate. We don't understand you, they told him. When the child was still living, you refused to eat. But now the child is dead and you have stopped your mourning and are eating again? Yes, David answered. I did fast and weep while he was still alive. I thought that the Lord might be merciful to me and not let the child die. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Could I bring the child back to life? I will go to him one day but he cannot return to me. So David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and David named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child and sent word to the prophet Nathan to name the boy Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord. Recognize that your sin is never an accident, as you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Temptations can come when you least expect them, but your sin will always find you out. The truth be told, life isn't fair, but God didn't promise fairness. He asked for obedience. Yes, it hurts, but the pain, regret, and sadness you feel are all emotions that your father understands. Repentance doesn't reverse the consequences of sin, but your heavenly father is always ready to restore his relationship with you. God's grace is greater than your sin, and there is always goodness and mercy, no matter how far you may stumble. So take responsibility of your sinful choice. A bad season doesn't mean a bad life. Seasons change, life gets better, and God can still do great work in and through you. Let your past be your biggest lesson because some miracles are born from the messiest situations. Remember that God is bigger than your season of what could have been. And he knew everything about you, but still chose you. So lean into God's forgiveness, comfort, and direction and let him use your circumstance to create good. God, thank you for your unending grace. We are far from perfect and our mistakes are endless, but thank you for remaining faithful 
and continuing to grant protection through your correction. Continue to turn our messes into miracles. Amen. <laughs>